This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your voice for everything ag. Welcome to Sask Ag Today with your host, Ryan Young. Good afternoon. Welcome to SaskAg Today. We've got a busy show for today. Big meeting of Canadian, American, and Mexican agriculture officials is on today and tomorrow in Saskatoon. Had the chance to preview the meeting with Provincial Agriculture Minister David Merritt. The Saskatchewan Water Security Agency is offering a rebate for towns looking to complete flood prevention measures. The Wheat Growers Association has launched its first-ever Young Mentorship Program, and the University of Saskatchewan is studying whether too much serotonin is responsible for a respiratory illness in feedlot cattle. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is SaskAg Today with 620 CKRM News Director Ryan Young. SaskAg Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. Saskatchewan is playing host to a big meeting of agriculture officials all over North America. The Tri-National Agricultural Accord is meeting in Saskatoon today and tomorrow. Provincial Agriculture Minister David Merritt says representatives from Mexico, 22 U.S. states, and several provinces from Quebec to Alberta will be there. It's obviously very important for us, uh, especially in the ag file, as both the United States and Mexico are big uh, trading partners for Saskatchewan. U.S. is still uh, number one for us, and Mexico is number four. So it's important for us to talk to our state uh, colleagues, uh, both from Mexico and the United States, on trade issues, trade challenges, especially with agriculture when we have such a fluid uh, mobility situation with both whether it's grains and oil seeds or livestock as well. So we just like to have discussion on some of the challenges that we may have, uh, especially with uh, with borders and things like that, but also just to build relationships and, and how we can help each other in growing the ag sector in our respective jurisdictions. Delegates will be visiting the Crop Development Centre Kernan Research Farm to learn about its ecological and grazing studies, crop breeding and production, and crop and weed management research. They will also visit the Wanaskewin Heritage Park to learn about the restoration of grasslands and the return of bison. Merritt says drought won't be discussed, calling it more of a regional issue than continent-wide as it was in 2021. Instead, trade issues, especially around the border, will be a key item. Well, obviously the biggest one is, is if we have a, uh, you know, a, a disease outbreak of some kind that impacts uh, the whole North American market and the industry. You know, avian influenza was one that obviously had an impact on the whole uh, poultry sector, but the border obviously doesn't uh, mean a thing. Uh, we have the same thing with African swine fever. We'll have a great discussion about that. Uh, if that ever has an outbreak in North America, what happens to the borders? What happens to the industry? How do you rebuild it? How do we work together to make sure, uh, you know, in Saskatchewan alone, my understanding is it's almost 10,000 uh, isoweens cross the border uh, every week. So we really have to uh, make sure that those relationships are there. How can we mitigate that risk? And in the event that it does happen, what, are, what is going to be the reaction and how do we work through that? The U.S. is Saskatchewan's number one agri-food export destination, with sales valued at $6.2 billion. Mexico is Saskatchewan's fourth largest market, with exports valued at around $992 million. Merritt was asked if he has heard anything from the federal government on his request for an agri-recovery assessment to deal with the dry conditions here in the province. 
No, we haven't heard anything at at, uh, at this point in juncture. My understanding is the federal minister is on his way here, and my understanding is, is, is hopefully if his schedule works, that he will be bringing remarks tomorrow to the Tri-National, and hopefully we'll get some time with the federal minister to have a discussion with, with them about uh, our egg recovery uh, process and what we have done, and just see where the federal government is on it at this time. I think they're still working through our, our application process, and hopefully we'll get a better understanding tomorrow. At the end of the day, Merritt says it's important to build relationships with peers. And I did have a very informal discussion with some some state representatives from Miss, Mississippi that are here and really are uh, wanting to learn more about uh, what's what's happening up here in, in Saskatchewan. And uh, that's why we've organized some good tours and the, and the folks are on them as we speak. So we'll meet up with them. But it's really about building relationships uh, because I think we all want what's best for the ag sector, whether you're a rancher or a farmer, whatever the case may be, or in agribusiness. Uh, just uh, is there opportunity for growth and telling a story on what we do here, and likewise they want to tell the story of what they're doing there. Mexico hosted the Accord last year, and next year's meeting is scheduled to be in Virginia. Back with SaskAg Today with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskag Today is brought to you by Prairie 6-Inch. For Prairie 6-Inch eaves trough, size matters. So see Prairie 6-Inch eaves trough, your farm shop specialist, prairieeavestrough.ca. And brought to you by Western Ag Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. Communities that are implementing preventative measures against flooding can cover up to half the cost through a rebate from the Saskatchewan Water Security Agency. The 50-50 rebate through the Flood Damage Reduction Program is for cities, towns, villages, and hamlets at risk of flood damage. WSA spokesman Sean Osmer says this type of program is offered annually. Yeah, absolutely. So every year we offer uh, this program earlier in the spring, uh, you know, when the melt begins and we see that runoff starting to flow, we have what's called the emergency flood damage reduction program. And that's for, you know, those those emerging situations where a community uh, or, you know, producer or, or you know, somewhere needs to have some of that flood reduction and that flood mitigation protection. Uh, in August is when we transition the program and to the flood damage reduction program. And that's what we announced today. Uh, and that just helps you know, communities plan for, like you said, some of those long-term mitigation uh, efforts that they may need in the event of a possible flooding, uh, you know, that may occur. And, and like you said, yeah, we, we've had some drought conditions this year, but uh, next year could be very much different. And uh, we want to make sure these communities have the support they need uh, to, put, uh, to put protections in place. The agency says any funds that have not been spent in the spring under the Emergency Flood Damage Reduction Program transitions to the FDRP. Up to $100,000 can be covered through the rebate, which Osmer says can really take some financial burden off of a town. He listed projects that are acceptable. Uh, and it covers those, those long-term permanent um, measures that, uh, that a community may want to take. So things like... Uh, you know, it includes some of the reports and some of the hydrological and, and hydraulic, uh, you know, mapping and things like that. Uh, floodplain maps are in there. It also includes, you know, construction of permanent dikes, berms, culverts, any kind of structure like that. Um, improvements to channel works that a, that a municipality may have. So it is pretty wide ranging. Uh, it covers a, a number of things. Osmer says the flood damage reduction program usually has strong uptake, but admitted it varies from year to year. He says the program is valuable. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, we've seen some numbers that, that uh, indicate, you know, if every dollar invested in flood mitigation is about $20 back uh, that, that could have been, you know, causing damages and things like that. So it is a good investment. Uh, it's, a, it's a great investment for communities to make, and we want to make sure we're there helping them, uh, you know, with those projects that they've identified and that they, that they think they need moving forward to help protect against any possible flooding in the future. Applications are being accepted until October 1st, and projects need to be complete by March 31st next year. A list of eligible costs and how to apply is online at wsask.ca slash water. You're listening to SaskAg Today with 620CKRM Agri-News Director Brian Young. Now today's Ag Review with Doug Falconer of GX94, brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers. Research out of the University of Alberta is showing that adding silicon to soil could help in the battle against club root. The study, which is the first to explore the effects of silicon on the disease in canola, showed that mixing the element with soil reduced overall clubroot symptoms in susceptible plants by up to 46%. The experiments revealed that infection was slowed and the formation of galls on the plants was reduced when silicon in the form of a water-soluble salt was added to the soil. As a result, the treatment also appeared to improve the height, root length and plant responses to stresses such as drought and extreme heat even in the presence of the club root pathogen. Silicon, currently an ingredient in some fertilizers, also has the advantage of being less costly to apply to canola crops than other alternatives such as liming. The managed money long position in canola held relatively steady during the weekend at August 8th, according to the latest commitments of traders report from the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. As of August 8th, the net managed money long position in canola futures came in at 23,753 contracts, a move of about 1,000 contracts from the previous week. Open interest in the canola market came in at 245,931 contracts on August 8th, which was up by 1,382 from the previous week. At the Chicago Board of Trade, fund traders were holding a net long of about 63,000 contracts in soybeans, which was down by about 23,000 from the previous week. Any Alberta producers who were considering agri-stability, but only in hindsight, for the Income Stabilization Plan's 2023 program year, now have until September 29th to apply. Ottawa and the province have announced that they've reopened the jointly funded program, as wildfires and or extremely dry growing conditions have dragged on many Alberta producers' work in the months since the program's regular enrollment deadline of April 30th. Alberta Agriculture Minister R.J. Sigurdsson says farmers and ranchers were blindsided by wildfires and drought and need support options to make it through this growing season. He says allowing late participation in agri-stability will enable them to reassess their business risks and make an informed decision about signing up to protect their operations and livelihoods. Late participation in agri-stability is offered only in a program year in which a given province or territory's producers experience a significant agricultural disaster, either sector-wide or province-wide. 
A migrant worker who was diagnosed with cervical cancer shortly after arriving in Nova Scotia has been granted health insurance under a federal program. Kirian Burnett arrived from Jamaica in April of 2022 to work on a strawberry farm and says she was fired after her cancer diagnosis and left without medical coverage. Her lawyer, Thiago Buchert, says that after nearly eight months, Burnett has been admitted to the interim federal health program. Buchert says other provinces provide migrant workers with public health coverage, but migrants in Nova Scotia must have a one-year work permit to be eligible for care. Stacy Gomez with migrant advocacy group No One Is Illegal in Nova Scotia says Burnett's case is a win but highlights the need for a permanent solution. The group is calling on the Nova Scotia government to provide health care coverage to all migrant workers in the province. Brazilian meat company JBS has reported a second quarter loss, citing the negative effects of an oversupplied global chicken market and tighter margins for its beef business in the U.S., where it gets most of its sales. JBS reported a net loss of $73.8 million Canadian, the second consecutive negative result in 2023. The company's earnings before interest, tax, depreciation and amortization came in line with a consensus forecast of $1.25 billion Canadian, but was down 57% on the year-ago period when the company's operating and financial performance were strong. In the quarter, JBS said its North American beef margins shrank from the same time a year ago, reflecting a reduction in the supply of livestock in the region. And that's today's Ag Review. I'm Doug Falconer. It's your agri-weather forecast on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, the special air quality statement remains in effect as a result of the wildfire smoke coming from the Northwest Territories coming down into Saskatchewan. So the widespread smoke will be around in a high of 30 degrees for today. Then heading into this evening, some increase in cloudiness, but the smoke will stay uh, stick around. Rather, There's also a 60% chance of showers overnight and a risk of a thunderstorm. Winds from the Northwest at 30, gusting to 50 kilometers an hour overnight and a low of 15. Tomorrow, cloudy and a 60% chance of showers early in the morning, then part the cloudy, risk of a thunder thunderstorm early in the morning as well. Winds from the northwest at 30, gusting to 50, then increasing to 50 to 70 kilometers an hour near noon, high of 22, the low 6 degrees. Then it gets a little simpler afterward. Thursday, sunny, high of 29, the low 17. Friday, part the cloudy, high of 26, the low 10. Saturday, part the cloudy, high of 24, the low 12. Sunday, part the cloudy, high of 24. Sunday night, cloudy and a 60% chance of showers, 13 is the low. Monday, part the cloudy with a 60% chance of showers, high of 24 degrees. Normal highs for this period are at 25, normal lows 10. Sun rose at 547 this morning, and the sun will set at 818 tonight. Taking a look around the province... In Estevan and Weyburn, 28, Swift Current, 27, Saskatoon, 25, Yorkton, 24, 
Hot spot in Saskatchewan is in Conorac at 31.4 degrees. Cool spot in Uranium City at 17.8. In Regina, smoke. Southeast wind at 10 kilometers an hour. Humidity at 51%. Temperature at 25 degrees or 77 Fahrenheit. Barometric pressure at 101.7 and falling. In Moose Jaw, smoke as well. Southeast wind at 6 degrees, temperature 25, or rather, southeast wind at 6 kilometers an hour, I should say. Temperature is at 25 degrees, going a little fast there. And once again in Regina, smoke, southeast wind at 10, temperature 25 degrees. Back in a moment. You're tuned to Saskag Today on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This portion of Saskag today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. McDougalAuction.com. And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems. Expect the best. Research at the University of Saskatchewan's Livestock and Forage Center of Excellence is trying to determine if too much serotonin is responsible for a respiratory disease in feedlot cattle known as AIP. AIP usually strikes in the late feeding period and causes an inflammation in the lining of the lungs. The project is being led by Dr. Emily Snyder, an assistant professor in the Department of Large Animal Clinical Sciences at the University of Saskatchewan. Serotonin is a chemical that carries messages between nerve cells in the brain and throughout the body. It not only plays a key role in sleep and mood, but in body functions such as digestion and blood clotting. We all kind of know about, you know, its effects within the brain, but we also know that it causes effects in blood vessels, in the GI tract, and the lung, for example. And so my thought is that looking at serotonin levels in cattle and seeing what the effects of serotonin within the, the bovine lung play in, in a specific disease called atypical interstitial pneumonia. Dr. Snyder is trying to see if there are any similarities between AIP and acute respiratory distress syndrome in humans, which is caused by too much serotonin. We know that the lesions that we see in human AIP are very, very similar to the lesions that we see in the lungs of cattle with AIP. And so looking at some of the human causes and seeing if those also translate into the bovine side of things is what I'm interested in. Dr. Snyder is collecting blood samples, this sample at six different times to better assess serotonin levels in feedlot cattle. So we have a general idea of what serotonin levels look like in dairy cows, but we don't know very much about what they look like in beef feedlot animals. And so my goal working at the LFCE this past summer is to establish a normal serotonin reference range in the blood of uh, feedlot cattle in the last 100 days on feed. By the end of this month, Dr. Snyder will have collected blood samples from 42 steers and 40 heifers in the feedlot at the Livestock Forage Center of Excellence located southeast of Saskatoon near Clavet. Meanwhile, the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association has launched its first ever Young Farmer Mentorship Program. The program was established with support from Canadian Pacific Kansas City Rail, the Saskatchewan director and treasurer with the Wheat Growers, Caitlin Kitsan, says this program is important to her. 
I was finishing up my university degree when a past director, Sherilyn Nagel, reached out to me and asked me to join the Wheat Growers Board. And I knew nothing about agriculture policy and why it was important to um, the agriculture community and especially my farm. So I um, hesitantly said, yes, sure, I'll join the board. And over the last few years, I've learned so much. I've, you know, really expanded my network, got some great experiences lobbying government at a provincial and a you know federal level and this was kind of my way to ensure other young farmers get involved in agriculture policy getting young farmers involved and informed with agriculture policy is the primary focus of the program yeah so you know um our hope is that we'll bring you know young farmers with us to ottawa with us to, you know, different conferences and conventions that our board attends to give them experience and kind of dip their toes into agriculture policy, everything from trade policy to transportation to environmental. And then the hope is that, you know, they stay involved in agriculture policy um, and maybe one day even join our board as a director. She noted CPKC and the wheat growers have a common interest in building the next generation of farm leaders. Yeah, CP um, reached out to us um, and we kind of reached out to them and, you know, there was this joint um, interest on supporting kind of young farmers to get more involved in policy um, as we tend to see, you know, I hate to say it, but the old boys club around the agriculture policy table. So it was important for CP and us to kind of join forces to really invite um, young farmers to those tables and get them involved. So CP is kind of our title sponsor for the first ever program. Kitsan went over some of the criteria. Anywhere kind of from across Western Canada, so up into your, you know, northern BC, Peace River country, through Alberta, Saskatchewan, or Manitoba. Um, They just have to be under the age of 35 and eager to learn and kind of expand their networks. The application window is open today until November 1st, and the successful candidates will be announced November 15th. You're listening to SaskAg Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Ryan Young. This segment of SaskAg Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small-town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com Time now for this week's Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture report. Today, it's Paige Straff, an agri-environmental specialist based in Prince Albert, talking about dormant seeding. Are you planning on seeding your fields to grass this fall? It's good to start thinking about it in advance. Seeding forages between October 15th and freeze-up can be a good alternative to spring or summer seeding. Dormant fall seeding can be helpful to manage spring workload and access areas that were flooded in the spring. Late fall seeding also allows for greater control of some perennial weeds. Timing is really critical with this type of seeding. A rule of thumb is to seed forages when the average daily air and soil temperatures are 5 degrees Celsius or less. Ideally, producers should target soil temperatures that are less than 2 degrees Celsius. Dormant seeding may not work in all cases, and there are a few concerns that can lower establishment success. Some of those risks being seeding too early in the fall or seeds germinating early in the spring. If you seed too early before the soil temperatures are low enough, Seeds will take on moisture and can start to germinate and can get killed off by cold winter temperatures. Another risk is seeds germinating when the soil warms up in the spring. If they germinate too early, they may be susceptible to early spring frosts. For dormant seeding, it's good to increase your seeding rate by 20 to 30% compared to spring seeding. 
Regardless of the time of year perennial forages are put into the ground, it's good to keep in mind a few key points. You'll want to purchase quality seed and ask for a seed certificate so the seed content is known. You'll want to seed at the correct depth. Forage seeds are generally small, so be careful not to seed too deep. Make sure to prepare a firm seed bed to ensure good seed to soil contact. You'll also want to use the correct seeding rate and ensure that your equipment is metering it accurately. You'll want to start controlling weeds a year or two in advance to make sure you have a good handle on them. And lastly, make sure that you have adequate soil fertility. Under the Ministry of Agriculture's Resilient Agricultural Landscapes program, the Seeding Team Forage Beneficial Management Practice provides funding for the conversion of annual cropland to perennial forage. For more information on seeding forages and available funding, please call the Agriculture Knowledge Centre at 1-866-457-2377. That's Paige Straff, an agri-environmental specialist from Prince Albert with this week's Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture report. Back in a moment. Here's the market updates with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. Looking for the perfect vehicle? They'll find a match that exactly fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. Grain prices at Viterra were mostly up in early trading today. Canola is up $5.40 to $7.28.62. Oats is up $4 to $301.32 a metric ton. And number one red spring wheat is down six dollars and forty-two cents to three thirty-five seventy-six. Rest were unchanged. Durham at five oh five twenty-three. Feed barley three ten sixty-one. Chickpeas ten thirty-six seventeen. Flax five sixty-one fifty-four. Lentils seven fifty-nine fifty. Yellow peas three sixty-five eighty-nine. Feed wheat two seventy ninety-seven. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for September is down 12.5 cents at $7.93 a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock 842-4574. Now, the latest Livestock Quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of August 15th. Our last regular sale was on August 2nd. D1 and D2 cows sold from $1.35 to $1.55. D3 cows sold from $1.10 to $1.35. Counter cows sold from $0.78 cents to $1. Half rats sold from $2.05 to $2.39. And good butcher bulls sold from $1.50 to $1.70. We had a pre-sorted yearling sale on Monday. We had close to 2,300 head at this sale. This market is on fire. 550 to 600 pound steers averaged $3.30 and sold at the $3.50. 600 to 650 pound steers averaged $3.45 and sold at the $3.57. 650 to 700 pound steers averaged $3.40 and sold at the $3.57. 700 to 800 pound steers averaged $3.37 and sold at the $3.48. 800 to 900 pound steers averaged $3.25 and sold at the $3.40 and steers over 900 pounds averaged $2.89 and sold at the $3.22. Heifers were 15 to 30 cents back from the steers. Some of the highlights from the sale were a load of 700 pound red steers at $3.48 a pound, two loads of 800 pound black steers at $3.40 a pound, a load of 900 pound Angus steers at $3.22 a pound, two 
pound and a load of a thousand pound exotic steers at three dollars a pound, which was unheard of until now. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. Now here are the latest pork prices. This is Bill Alford with the Hams Market Commentary for Tuesday, August 15th. Ham sold 8,200 hogs Monday, selling a range of 244 to 258 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 7,600 head, selling a range of 244 to 258 per CKG. Ham's number one sales this week are up, selling in the range of 60 to 67 cents per pound live weight. Ham's cash hog price today is mixed, and four contract prices open lower this morning. On Monday, the Canadian dollar is down 10 basis points, with the daily exchange rate at 1.3461. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 74.17 cents U.S. The negotiated Western Corn Belt cash market improved 44 cents, while the national form of the basis for both variants pulled back 13 cents U.S. on weight in yesterday's price capture period. But the trend remains solidly lower in all regions for this week. Yesterday's morning cutout report was up but led by bellies, which were sharply higher on low volumes. But by the afternoon, bellies were down $2.56 and pressured the net carcass value by a dollar compared to Monday. With the August futures contract reaching expiration yesterday, the October contract now becomes the front month. A relatively strong demand profile and cash prices that remain good historically speaking are lending some moderate support to the October contract, which is the only contract trading higher through mid-trade. But the market is presently cautious and all remaining contracts are under pressure. The fundamentals are priced in and no one appears too bullish ahead of an unknown domestic demand profile further out. Prop 12 impacts will take some time to materialize, and while transshipments of Whole Pork in Massachusetts are allowed for now, question 3 results impacts will likely take some time as well. Up next, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Ryan Young. Now the Resource Report. Brought to you by Mazank Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank, 306-721-6667. The inflation rate rose to 3.3% in July as worries grow that progress on getting prices under control will stall. Lower gasoline prices have largely driven the decline in inflation over the last year, but economists say underlying price pressures need to ease for inflation to fall further. Statistics Canada reports the rise in inflation is due to gas prices falling less dramatically on a year-over-year basis than they did in June. Grocery prices rose 8.5%, while airfares fell 12.7%. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith offered up conflicting explanations Monday for why her government put a temporary ban on large wind and solar energy projects. Smith said the seven-month pause on renewables started because the Alberta Utilities Commission and the Alberta Electric System Operator wrote to government on July 21st asking for it. However, neither letter asks for a moratorium. The Office of Utilities Minister Nathan Newdorf in a statement suggested the government was not acting on the letters alone and that they followed, quote, multiple briefings and conversations with the Ministry of Affordability and Utilities, end quote. Turning over to the markets, the TSX is down 374 points at 19,915. The Dow is down 315 points to 34,992. Oil is down $1.84 at $80.67 per barrel, and the Canadian dollar is at 74.10 cents U.S. And that's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, you can tune in to the On Demand SaskAg Today podcast, brought to you by Gowan Canada. 
Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. And that's another edition of SaskAg Today. I'm Ryan Young. Have a nice day. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.